call it the at- aftermath, is, uh, well, right after Easter, we started it, and the idea was, what happened next? What happened after the resurrection? And uh, we, I proposed the week after uh, Easter was that it was uh, all of the disciples and everybody, all of it, not just the 12, but, but their wives, and, and, and there's probably 120 or so that were following them at that time. That, uh, as I look through Scripture, I look through all the New, New Testament, I, I realize not one person believed he was going to rise from the dead. Not one. Nobody, there wasn't even one person that thought, you know, it's actually going to happen. You know, what he said he's going to do, he, he, he's going to do. And in fact, they were all like, like uh, they ran and they were afraid and they were hiding out, locked the door in a house, all of those types of people. Because they, they were afraid of the, of the, the Jewish leaders and all that. Maybe they're going to do the same thing they did to Jesus to me. And so so we, we started off looking at that, that what Jesus did for 40 days um, after he rose from the dead here on earth, was confront doubt and unbelief. That's all he did. He did for 40 days. He made sure they knew he actually rose. Look, look at my hands, look at my feet, went around. He, 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 he did all kinds of signs and wonders. There were so many things he did uh, to make sure every person that he came in contact with knew he did what he said he was going to do. He confronted doubt and unbelief. And, and, then, and so we, we did that that first week. We, we called it the aftermath. And, and last week, we, we started out in Acts 2, and, um, and it was that classic place of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and you know, kind of the birth of the early church and all of these things. And, and what happened there um, we really came to a place in, in Acts, in Acts 2.42 where, where it really, it struck my heart. And it actually, have you ever had moments in your life, whether you're reading the word or whatever, where you know this is a paradigm shifting moment? That you're going to, you're like responsible for this information now. You could choose to go back to the way you were, but not without consequences. <laughs> not without knowing that you know the truth. Like I felt that in, in the last couple of weeks, I felt that. I felt that with Acts 2.42 because it says this. It says, out of a response to, to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, out of a response to this incredible, I'm, I'm going to preach to the stage, I guess, right now. Uh, out of the response to this incredible like, like sermon that Peter preached with boldness and, and then them getting saved and baptized and all of this, out of a response to that, the 3,000 people that were added to their number that day in Acts 2, th- this is th- the response out of the heart was, we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Like four things came out of that, right? And it wasn't a, a structure that the apostles laid down. All right, now that we've got all 3,000 of you, this is what we're going to do. We've got four things. This is our four spiritual laws. We're going to do this. We're going to do this together. All right, can everyone recite after me, right? And then formulate into groups. No, no, no. It was like an, it was an organic thing. Like out of, out of a response, they, they, the, the crowd decided they were going to do these things. And it just started getting me going. I was actually going to end this Aftermath series today, and I was like, I don't know that I can end it. I think I'm going to need to get going. Next week, Pastor Bo is going to share, uh, and, uh, and, then, and then in two weeks, I, th- I think I'm going to just keep going with some thoughts on this. And uh, um, so it'll be, it'll be good. It'll, in fact, I think in two weeks, now don't hold me to this, I think in two weeks I'm going to talk about what's command and what's tradition. And so, so we get to... We get to kind of wrestle with what was commanded and what's just tradition. You know that we're st- like they wrestled with that back then, and we get to also wrestle wrestle with that today. 
Uh, hey, well, let, let, let's go. So here's the main thought. Our walk, oh, and I don't, I don't know if you saw the, the title today. The title today is Together. That's just, that's, that, this is what we're talking about, Together. This is, what the, this is the thought. Our walk with God is both individual and corporate. The Bible does not give room to forsake one and choose the other. Our walk with God is both individual and corporate. And the Bible doesn't give room to forsake one and choose the other. And this is a really interesting place. Hopefully I can show you that today. Hopefully it's not Pastor Jonathan proving something, but as you see the Word and the Holy Spirit with you, you start to see, oh yeah, no, that's, that's true. Well, watch this. Uh, when you die, uh, first of all, the statistics say that 100% of you in this room will die. 10 out of 10 people. <laughs> Gallup poll. Barna research. So when you die... And you stand before God, there's going to be a couple different judgments. In fact, in fact uh, some, some people believe in, in three judgments. I'm going to talk about two of them right now. When you die and you stand before God, there's going to be, one, there's going to be what's called the great white throne judgment. Um, have anybody heard of that before, like in the book of Revelation? Just raise your hand just to appease me. Okay. Right. So if you've heard, so the great white throne judgment, this would be what like some people are like, that's the scary one, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's like the decider of, of, of you know, you, you, imagine, you imagine like a, like a big red button and you're standing before God and he's like, you chose poorly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, oh man, stink. That's that one. That's where you either are going to heaven or hell. How many know that there's no in between? Man, we live in a culture that tries to say that there's multiple ways and there's, there's like, you know, uh, you know I, I often, uh, part, of, part of my, the language I have in working with people, sometimes we get stuck in an either-or mentality where, where there's only two ways. And, you know, and so I, I often like tell people like, hey, maybe there's a third way. Maybe there's a fourth way. Get your brain thinking. You know that that doesn't work with this. That mindset of maybe there's a third or fourth way doesn't work with this. There will be a great white throne judgment, and it won't be the community of believers. It won't be the family of God. It will be you by yourself before him. You're not going to be able to get to heaven like, like piggyback on Pastor Jonathan or on your parents or anybody. Like we know that, right? We know that great white throne judgment. That's all about you and him. That's an individual aspect of our walk with God. Now, there's another judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, and it's for believers. If you don't believe me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, you can write that down and look at it. This is that, ju that, that judgment seat where if you are a believer, you stand here. You, you've already made the cut that you're going to heaven, and now there's another judgment. In the 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 talks about it, the judgment seat of Christ, and this is where you have to give an account for, for the way you lived your life. And, and some people are like, well, well wait, a, wait a minute. Like, th but there's grace. and there's, No, that, that's, the, that's heaven versus hell. <laughs> that's the grace. That's the mercy. And then you give an account at this judgment seat for did I live my life to the fullest, to everything God asked me to do? To, not, not compared to Sarah O'Neill, because that's a lot to live up to. Not compared to anybody, just compared 
to you, to the calling of God that God has for your life. And can, I want to submit this, this thought to you, that you will not fully fulfill the calling of God for your life outside of the body of Christ. It is, it is impossible for your full calling of God to be as a hermit somewhere by yourself. You, it, as we read through Scripture, we find that part, part of the, it's an individual walk with God and it's corporate. And I believe that someday you're going to stand before God at this judgment seat of Christ and he's going to say, how well did you live your life fully to the way that I called you to live connected with the body connected with the body watch watch this salvation of both uh, is both individual and corporate did you know that did you know that salvation is both individual and corporate how many know when you ask Jesus to come into your heart that's about you going to heaven do you also know that the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, you can write that down, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Do you know that the Bible also says you are baptized in at salvation, you're baptized into the body of Christ? So there is, a, there is an individual aspect of salvation and you are baptized into a family. It's about you and it's also about we. Watch this, watch what Jesus was thinking in his final moments. As he's getting ready, he knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. Watch what Jesus was thinking. John 15, starting verse 12, says this, my, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. And he's talking to his his best friends, they're, they're likely uh, either in the upper room or on their way to the garden, and he's sharing these thoughts with him. It's kind of like he knew he was going to die. They weren't quite sure. Imagine if you were on your deathbed and you had some final words to say. We, we often hear like, what would you put on your tombstone? Or what would you write to your kids if you knew you were going to die? Like, this is Jesus' last words. And, and, and there, were more, there was more going on, but this is part of it. This is part of Jesus' thought. He's like, as I have loved you, love each other. And he says, he says, greater love has no one than this, than what? To lay down one's life. What's he going to get ready to do in a few hours? In other words, as we look at each other, the family of God, the body of Christ, would you be willing to lay your life down for Haley O'Neill? I, I, I'm picking on the O'Neills today. I don't, like, it's like every time I get to the good point, I'm like right in front of them. There, there's an aspect where we say we, we love each other, we, we're, we're kind to each other, we appreciate each other, but Jesus was asking for an almost like, almost beyond family love that the body of Christ would have. To the point of, like, just like I lay down my life for you, greater love has no one than this, and he lays down his life for his, for his friends. 
John 17, he goes on, and this is what a lot of people call Jesus' high priestly prayer, John 17. He's, it's usually broken down into three sections, one where he's praying to the Father, and then he's praying to, uh, uh, about his close disciples, and then he's praying for us. When he comes to us, watch what he says. Now, before we go there, don't put it up on the screen yet, Brad. You almost did, and then I... Before we go there, can I just say this? Jesus said these words, not me. <laughs> can, I, can I just, can, just want to make, you, make sure you know I didn't make this up. Did you know? I think, I'm gonna, did you know that people like, will come to know Jesus, that they will believe that God like, sent his son? They will believe that not because you tell them, not just because like you're you're nice to them and and make it really easy for them to come become a Christian and come to your church. Not because like you're just real real tolerant of of all kinds of things. Like, do you want to know? Put it up here, Brad. Ready, set. He says, "My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one." So us that there would be unity that we would be one father just as you are in me and i am in you so he defines what unity looks like hey we're going to be we're going to be one just like you and i are one may they be one like that may may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me it's interesting because we come up with all kinds of tricks and, and gimmicks and programs and, and all kinds of things so that we that we're like maybe if we did this then they would then they would believe and this are you telling me that if we were just one if we were just unified if there was just like like an like a next level supernatural unity and love if are you telling me that if all we focused on was was let's be one that the world would believe that God sent his son? Well, I didn't say it. That's what, Je that's what Jesus said. In other words, when we're not unified, they don't even believe a word we have to say. Like, like the opposite is true. When, when we don't have that intense love for each other as the body of Christ, they don't even believe that God sent his son. Oh, man. I, we could stay there all day. Just remember, like, when you quote that one, would you just make sure it was Jesus that said it? Could you just put Jesus as you write that note down? So then Jesus said all those things. He, he was beaten. He died. He rose again and all of that. And, and, you know, we talked about Acts 2. We talked about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We talked about all that last week. And you can read that in Acts 2. And, and you know, and then 3,000 people were added to their, to their number. And then what did they start doing? They, start doing? they started doing what Jesus prayed. They, they started doing life together just the way Jesus prayed. Like, if, 
man, the whole world, and you look at like the greatest revival that has ever happened, like right after, like in Acts 2, and it was because, it was because they focused on together. They focused on, on the we instead of just the me. And, and when they focused on that, when they, when they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer together, like, it, it turned the world upside down. It's crazy. I, 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 want, I want to show you, I, I did kind of a word search for, in, in the Bible, for that word together. And, uh, and it was really interesting to me. So we start off, in, and especially in Acts. I've been, I've been in Acts, and we're going we're gonna to hang out in Acts a little bit more. Acts 1 verse 14 it says they they all join together constantly in prayer along with the women and mary the mother of jesus and with his brothers they, they came together in prayer they didn't like go home by themselves get in their prayer closets and and pray for the for the holy spirit to come they joined to, there was a togetherness about their prayer x x2 verse 1 it says when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place. And some of us were like, well, well, they had to be together. No, I mean, they were told to stay in Jerusalem. He, he didn't say, like, like, where? He didn't say, like, how? He just said, wait, stay in Jerusalem. And, and they didn't know when it was coming. And so they constantly came together in prayer, in waiting and anticipation for whatever this gift was supposed to look like that was going to be coming. Acts 2, verse 44 Right there towards the end, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 46 says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And there's a, there's a thing here, you know... That, that verse, and when you go into, I think it's like Acts 4 as well, and, and you, you see how this early church had everything together, and people w- try to talk about, you know, well, see, Jesus believes in socialism, you know, and uh, yeah, a little bit different than that. Like, um, like, how about they did this voluntarily, right? How about out of, a, out of glad and sincere hearts, they were just like, no, no, there can't be any lack among us. Like, you can't be suffering. Like, like I'm going to make sure and, and if I'm suffering, that you're going to make sure I'm not suffering. And if, if I, like, it was, it was like a, a holy, like, voluntary response to this, to, to Jesus and to this outpouring of the Spirit that, that there wasn't going to be lack among them. It wasn't just like we come together for an hour and a half on a Sunday and stare at the back of each other's heads. It was a community that cared about each other. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, on, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Now, now they were, um, they were uh, before the Sanhedrin, and they were trying to defend, um, you know, the gospel and all of this. You know, they had just, they had just healed a man and, all, and, and things. And it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, when they, when the people there, the, the early church, when they were all together, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. <laughs> Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And, and it goes, I like, the, the, well, I, I didn't include this here, but you know what happens at the end of this story? 
it says like out of that response that the place where they were staying was shaken <laughs> by the Lord like that I'll be all right with that Acts chapter 5 verse 12 says the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade and that was that was just right outside the temple in the temple courts it was a, there was a place uh, with actual with colonnades and it was called Solomon's <laughs> and they met there no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people now the reason why it says that is you remember you remember some people called Ananias and Sapphira remember that they were you'll read about them in in Acts 5 as well they they lied <laughs> to God about their you know selling property and all of this and and when they when they lied they died and when they died there was great fear that gripped the early church and so there was not, there was a seriousness to following Jesus that came upon this early church and so there was there was there was two things that happened there um it, it not, there was there was a bunch that that didn't dare join them because oh my goodness can you imagine that's not the way to grow your church yeah and and even though they were highly regarded by the people, nevertheless, it, it almost like contradicts itself in verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. In, in other words, um, there, were, there were people that, that counted the cost in light of the seriousness it, it takes to follow Jesus and make him Lord of our life. We've counted the cost and, and, and we're going to follow. I think some others didn't dare join because they counted the cost and said it's too much. Verse 42 in chapter 5, it says, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. And I want to skip to a couple of Paul's thoughts because Paul, Paul really, <coughs> you know, if you ever want to know um, like what the truth is in Scripture, if you're studying the Bible, and you're just wanting to know, okay, so, so how do I understand this? You want to you wanna go back to the beginning of, of a subject. So like, for instance, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and what it's like to be a spirit-filled man or woman and all this. You go back to Jesus, who was the perfect example of a spirit-filled man. You don't start in 1 Corinthians 12 with the gifts of the Spirit. You go first to the beginning, and then you let everything else build. Right? Does that does that make sense? That's just a principle in studying in studying scripture. And so when when we're talking about the body of Christ in church, we want to go back to Acts 2 when it all started, and then we build from there. Now we let Paul here in a second kind of add to the discussion and build on that foundation that Jesus and the apostles built. Does, are you guys with me? So Paul's going to build on the foundation here of what had been laid by Jesus and the apostles. He says this in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Remember I talked about this at the beginning of service? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. Now, I don't have time to really talk about that, but I just want you to be scared. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple uh, again if we didn't have this building 
we could still gather and meet anywhere and still be the church, right? He, he's saying, you are living stones, you are building blocks, and as you come together, you are the temple and the presence of God here is with you. He goes on, he talks about this in, in Ephesians. Paul talks about this to the church in Ephesus. Uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of what? God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a what? A, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, now listen, there is a me part of my walk with God and there's a we part. How many know that the spirit of God, if you're a believer, the spirit of God lives in you? Are we with me today? How many know that, that uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says that we're jars of clay and this all-surpassing power that's not from me but from him is inside of me do we do we realize that that god is in me that that the that, that we can that, that we're presence carriers and, and all and and god is among us there's this paradox in scripture it's like it's like he's he's fully in me and he decides he desires to be fully among us and, and how does he come fully among us? Well, he, there's not really a formula other than he says, come together as the body. And as you are together as the body, that becomes a dwelling place for my presence, for my spirit. And so it's a both and. It's, it's your personal walk with God that you're accountable for, and it's you can't have this walk with God without the rest of the body. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 Verse 26, I, I like this. It, I'm just pulling this out of context, but I, but I want you to see it. it says, he says, what, what then shall I say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church may be built up. And why did I put this scripture there? Because I, uh, when was the last time you came with something to church? When was, when was the last time that there was something, whether you had read in the Word that week and there was something that, that stood out to you in, in your reading, or whether there was, a, there was a, a, a song in your heart, or in other words, you were coming to, to be your building block to the rest of the body, like, like I'm, I'm bringing something with me. When, did you come, when was the last time you came to bring something instead of, how do we normally do church, Bo? just pretty much like a movie theater just pretty much just just consuming and judging like a movie theater by the way yeah five star ah three and a half i like the worship didn't so much like the message wish it was a little bit more palatable wish it didn't convict me so much wish i didn't have to do anything about that right i'm i'm just i'm just joking but but seriously <laughs> yeah and so here i want to i want to i want to kind of land the plane here for us um just so that we because it's mother's day you know <laughs> just 
Watch this. Acts, Acts chapter 2. Can we go back to, to Acts chapter 2, verse 42? And, and, I, and I want us to see this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And, and what I saw about this is, you know, at some level we do this. At some level we do this. But here's the thing. We've kind of redefined this. When we, when we look at this, at this scripture, it's not the, and, and, and I'm sure that there's people in here that say, oh, I struggle with one of those or, or two of those or whatever. But for the most part as a body, we're like, oh, no, we, 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 do, we do some of that. I mean, we, we do communion once a month, and there's times where we have like a potluck or a connect group, and, and, and like the apostles teaching, well, that could either be like Jonathan teaching, or that could be the Bible, and I read regularly, you know, what? yeah, so I, I probably do that, and to prayer, like at least, I mean, before meals and stuff, right, and, and sometimes, and, and so we kind of redefine it some, a little bit, and I thought, well, what would this look like? What would this look like today? How could we take that and, and apply it to our context of what were they really trying to mean? And I do mean this, watch, the, devoted to the apostles' teaching. Um, I think it can really go two ways. And, and I think, and I really think it's both, but I want to put the heavy on the second one. The first one is, I, I, I believe devoted to the apostles' teaching it really can have to do with the, the spiritual leader in, in an organization that, that teaches and preaches. I think there's an aspect of being devoted. In other words, what did devoted mean? It, it, meant, it meant, like, I am, have, are you devoted to anybody in your life? Is there someone that you would say you're devoted to, right? Like, in other words, there's action there, there's emotion involved. You do something about being devoted. In other words, I think it's probably appropriate to say that, that if Pastor Jonathan is praying and studying and comes with a word, that it would be appropriate for me to do something about what was just taught. To, to not just listen, but to go, to be devoted to the teaching. Like, at some level... I'm not, not trying to elevate myself higher than I'm supposed to be, but if, but if this is a, a, a role that God has given me and other people that share the pulpit, it would be appropriate to, to do something about, to be devoted to, to what he says. The second thing I think is even more important. I think we could all agree that the apostles' teaching, for us to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, is reading the Bible. I, I honestly, I, I think, like, we could, but do you know these four things I think to really go back to the early church, not, not a structure, but an idea, a philosophy. I think if we had a thread of together throughout this, and that's what I noticed, was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching together. Now what, what's one way we could do that? Yeah, we come together and listen to, to me like most every week and, and all, but what's, an, what's one way we could be devoted together? Uh, I'm going to propose something here. At the I, I think that if we read the Bible together, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to make a, a like a rule. If you come to our church, but but what I am going to give give us an opportunity to, we're going to be reading through the Book of Acts starting this week together, and 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 for the rest of the summer, I think we're going to just together reading because if Tammy and I are reading the same thing and we run into each other and we can say, oh, man, how what would you get out of this? What did the Lord show you? And I could sh share the same thing, and, and right? 
and, and Kay, and uh, you could talk to Jen, and, and just, just as we're, I think that there's something about being devoted to the apostles' teaching together. Here, here here's the next thing. What's it look like to be devoted to fellowship? And some of us, uh, some of us are better at that than others. It, it, don't raise your hand, but anybody homebodies <laughs> like myself, right? Like, anyway, it's just not natural. I'm saying, I'm saying, Jonathan, you might have to get over yourself, right? Like anybody just would rather just have your personal walk with God. I remember my, my wife, or my wife, no, it was my mom. My mom used to say, <laughs> a little bit different. We got a little bit, di- little bit different level of, of relationship there. And, uh, and my mom used to say, my walk with God is personal, but not private. And so there's a, a devoted to fellowship. In, in other words, it's not accidental. It's not just coming to church on a Sunday. M- maybe I come five minutes early and I, and I get to see people or, or maybe I linger. A li- it's not just, th- that doesn't, in my mind, that's not devoted to fellowship. And this was part of, like, the, this was what they were devoted. They were, they gave their life for fellowship. I think it looks like family. I think it, I think it looks like, like, actually, like, lo- and we, isn't this just, just kind of like, even just when we're in a circle here and we're all together, isn't this at some, somewhat like, like, a, like a dysfunctional uh, family reunion? Isn't it? Just a little bit? Because you know, you know, like, like there's, there's some people at the family reunion that, that you, you get along with really well, and then there's like a reason why you're sitting on this side and not that side. Right? There's a reason why we've got two sets of doors to go out of, right? And now we've got only one, one, one set of, of restrooms, and I, I'm sorry, but, but there's, a, right? Like we're at some level, we're kind of like a dysfunctional family. And, and yet, I mean, it's, it's like I could be angry at my, my, my earthly brother, and then if, if one of you did something to him, I'd be like, no, it's on like Donkey Kong. Like, there's a place where we fight for relationship, and it goes deeper than just showing up on Sunday, and that's a little bit of a foreign thought in our culture, but I think devoted to fellowship went beyond, like, a potluck. I think it, it was, they were, they were, they did life together. They were, they were like family, and I don't know what that's supposed to all look like, but what I do know is that, like, our connect groups that we have don't really cut it. Like, even if you were in connect groups, Why? It's it's me. It's I I did this to us. You want to know why? Because most of our connect groups are centered around topics, and 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 things like that. Things that you can learn. And so you pick a connect group based on oh I'd like I'd like to learn how to to you know heal the sick or I want I want a parenting connect group or 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 this or that. But what if what if we came together? The primary reason was for relationship and growing in the Lord together. This is why, so if you were reading Acts together and, and if you had a connect group with someone this week, well, well what, if, what if what you read in the Word, you brought that and someone else brought that and, and a few other people brought that and you sat in the living room and we just talked about what we read this week and somebody had a song and, and maybe, we, maybe we even took communion without the pastor serving it, and, right? And like we, I think it could look a little bit more like that. Here, here's the last one. What's it look like to be devoted in prayer? I, I think here's this. I'm sorry. Did I say something? No, I'm just joking. That's the youth. They're going. By the way, if you have time today, would you guys go by Hy-Vee and, 
and uh, buy something and go through their line because they're gonna they're raising money at Hy-Vee for camp. So that's gonna be a really cool thing. Hey, uh, what's it look like to be devoted to prayer? It, I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything, but but I would imagine if I did that there would be people in here that said that you prayed this week, right? There would be people that may, maybe you prayed today, maybe you prayed every day this week. Maybe it was five minutes, maybe it was a half hour. I don't know, but. I don't think what they're talking about here is their individual prayer life. I think what they're talking about here is together. That at some level, as the body of Christ, they were devoted together to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted together to fellowship, together to the breaking of bread, and together to prayer. Even the breaking of bread. Um, If you weren't here last week, you know that the first time they broke bread wasn't like wasn't at the last supper with jesus do you know that they broke bread all the time they broke bread and they drank from the cup like all the time and it it was just that the last supper was the first time that jesus gave new meaning to breaking bread and so what he was basically saying was every time you do what you're already doing every time you fellowship the way you're already fellowshipping and when you come together like you already are and you have this meal and before you have that meal you break the bread and drink like when when i was in israel and and we did the shabbat meal and we they passed around this amazing like i need the recipe for bread and and like we we ate it and there was the cup that was passed around and like and then there was a meal he's like every time you have a a meal like a fellowship like that would you remember my body that was broken and would you remember my blood that was spilled he gave like new meaning to that And so there was this togetherness. I think with prayer, and I don't want to push buttons, but whenever we, you know, our, like our prayer, um, corporate prayer time, can I just say, like when, when 10 people show up for prayer in a church where we would average 150 on a weekend, and we probably have 250 or so that would say that Spirit of Life is their home and all of that, you know that when, it's okay to, to miss and all of, I mean, this isn't like a religious thing, but when, regularly only 10 people come to a corporate prayer time that's not called being devoted to prayer this way that's you might be devoted to your personal prayer life but you're not devoted corporately to prayer and i'm not going to put a magic number on that but i what i do know is we're not hitting it right now we're we're not it, it, it may not be your flavor. You may be like, I don't know how to pray. I'm like, I don't just c- come and sit or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying, like when we when we have times, you're not going to be able to make every one, but every once in a while, don't you think that there, it's something? Like I'm guessing that this verse means do something rather than nothing. And for each of us in this room to evaluate that in our life, what's that look like for me to be corporately together, devoted to prayer? right hey pastor kelly would would you and your team come and play and what, what this is what I, how i want us to respond um right here before we leave and um is i is i'd like us to pray together <laughs> can i tell you can i tell you a need normally i'm private about this type of stuff and because uh because there's all kinds of opinions about like sickness and things and you know like like whether i mean you get you get sick and and there could be like an extreme of like oh you have a demon or or you could go over here and and it's like oh no you need to drink four bottles of nyquil and you're like no like i don't know but can i just say like wherever it is even if, like maybe if my family has a demon would you just do help 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 me first 
But more than that, can I just say, Becky's home sick today. And last week, Aria was sick, and somewhere in the middle of the week, I got sick, and it was, I mean, it, it hasn't been fun. Like, she hasn't been in church two weeks in a row because of, because of something. And so as a body, would, I think in a few minutes, it would be nice if some people would just come, come forward here and pray for me. And can I just ask you to just be honest and vulnerable? Would you raise your hand if there's something in your life that you need prayer for right now? Would you just raise your hand? You don't even have to say what. Would you raise your hand? Okay. We've got some people. All right. Now, body of Christ, would you go and surround us? And can we pray together?